He was a big wig. Late 60s, early 70s. Chuck was an important guy. He smoked, and he drank, and he sat at the table with some very powerful people, including the United States president. He had it all. Riches upon riches in a powerful position in the government. However, Chuck liked the gamble. Not like going to the local casino type of gambling, but, but rather putting his neck out on the line in scandals, in political scandals. He went from having it all, riches upon riches, to rags. No longer smoking and drinking with the uppers of the government, he was convicted and sentenced for his involvement in the Watergate scandal. Chuck was sent off to prison. Going from the riches of so much to rags, all because of a gamble he took, figuring that no one would find out what he was doing, covering up his tracks along the way until finally he was caught, sentenced, and sent off to prison for his crimes. I believe there is a great connection for us to learn from Charles Colson and the criminals on the cross in our text today. So if you have your Bibles with you or your phone, we're going to spend our time in Luke chapter 23, beginning with verse 32, and, and, and we'll get there in just a second. But before we, before we read that, before we dig into that, I need to ask you a question. And, and this one is so easy of a question that you can actually probably answer it. So if you know the answer to this, please give me your response, all right? You ready for this question? You ready? Oh, okay, good. All right. How many criminals were crucified with Jesus? Two. Yeah, good job. See, sometimes we ask easy questions. Two criminals were crucified with Jesus. And there is something similar between them and Charles. Those criminals that were hanging on the cross just like Jesus... But yet, just like Charles, they gambled, right? They, they, they lived their lives on a gamble. They took a chance. We don't know what they did. We don't know if they stole stuff. We don't know if they hurt people, if they killed people. We, we don't know what they did, but we obviously know that they had done something wrong. And they got caught. And it was so bad that they were going to be crucified for their crimes. They went from riches to rags, much like Charles Colson. Now, I want to share with you again what Ryan read for us just a little bit ago here in Luke 23 to set up the rest of our time together. So we're going to start in Luke 23, beginning with verse 32. It says, two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. 
And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They cast lots to divide his garments. The people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There's an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. Verse 39, one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So you, you can see what's, what's going on here, right? You have one criminal railing at Jesus, just like the rulers, just like the scoffers, just like the soldiers. He echoes their statement. Are you not the Christ? Come on, man. We, we've heard about you. Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. He's railing, but what does he want here? He wants out of the situation that he's in, right? He's saying, if you are some kind of God, if you truly are the Christ, prove it to me. Save me from my rags. Get me off this course of life. Get me off this cross. And you know, go ahead and save yourself while you're at it. Prove it. That's what he was shouting. And here's the thing. That's what broken people do sometimes, right? They shout, prove it to me. Save me. They want proof that they, you can help them before they actually allow you to help them. They want out of the situation that they're in. And sometimes when, when people are broken, who's it about? Them. It's all about them. This criminal, who's it about? Him. He's been broken down by the law, right? That's why he's hanging on a tree. He's been broken down by the law, and he's searching for a way out of his brokenness. And this criminal, just like the other people around, missed what Jesus had just said. Right, right before they railed him, what words did Jesus speak from the cross? He said, Father, forgive them. for they know not what they do. Yeah, and we understand that knowing that, that they don't know that they're killing the Son of God. They, they don't know that this is part of God's plan. But he's speaking it for them too. So innocent as he is, as Jesus is hanging on that cross, he asks the Father to forgive them. And still they rail, still they mock, still they curse. But not everyone. Right? There, there was others who were standing by and, and watching, and we know some disciples were there, and, and, and they kind of got it, but they didn't get it the way the other criminal did. That other criminal, right? That, that other criminal who is rightly being punished, who also went from riches to rags, takes the opposite approach. What does he do? He rebukes. Not Jesus, but he rebukes the other criminal. He says, do you not fear God? 
Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence for condemnation, and we indeed justly? He's just confessed his sin. We in, indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man, this man in between us, has done nothing wrong. This criminal gets it. How? How is this, this man who is broken, who is beat down on the very edge of his death, get it? The same way we get it, right? The Spirit. The Holy Spirit's been working him. This criminal's seen the whole passion now play out. He knows who Jesus is. We, we know his name's everywhere. He's heard of the miracles that he's done. And, and not only that, he's now seen him beaten and scourged. He's seen this crown of thorns pushed on his head and the blood flowing down his face as he carries his own cross to the place where he too is at. All the while, not saying a single word. And he too just heard Jesus' words. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So this criminal, friends, by rebuking the other criminal, shows a confession of faith. He said, we're guilty. He shows a confession of faith, and then he shows this amazing response to Jesus' forgiveness. This broken man, this criminal on the brink of death and hell, is saved by Jesus' announcements that sin is forgiven. That sin is forgiven by his death on the cross. It's a good summer refresher, right? Just to, to remind ourselves of that, we have this criminal who is a broken individual encountering Jesus in his last few moments of life. And guess what? Jesus died for that broken man. Friends, we as believers in Jesus Christ, we as Christians, we have a God of the broken. We have a God for the broken. And you've heard me say it again and again and again, and I'm going to say it until God takes me away from here. Jesus changes everything. And we're just going to add a few words. Jesus changes everything for the broken. Now, do any of you fit into this category? Do, do we all fit into this category? Of course. We're all, we all can relate. We're all broken. We've all been beat down. And yet, by the love that God has for us in Jesus Christ, we're restored. When an individual meets Jesus, when Jesus gets up in them by the power of the Holy Spirit, there's change that happens. Sure, sometimes it doesn't always work out the way. Sometimes there's people that are like the Pharisees, and then they continue to pick and prod, and they don't really fully understand it. But more often than not, when somebody who has been broken down to the core and Jesus gets up into them, he changes them for the better. When the Holy Spirit puts a repentant heart and saving faith into an individual, individual that person is altered in the most wonderful way. 
Scripture shows us this time after time after time. Tax collectors give back stolen money. Suicidal jailers have hope restored when they see everyone's here. Even criminals on the cross confess their sin and ask to be remembered by the one true king. And guess what? Even people involved in the Watergate scandal, yeah, they're changed. Charles Colson, right before he went into prison and served his seven months, got a little bit of Jesus in his heart. And then while he served those seven months, Jesus continued to work inside this man's heart, and the spirit went crazy in this man's life. Because when an individual meets Jesus, when Jesus gets up in there, they change. Jesus meets that person because of their brokenness. And for Charles Colson, amidst his brokenness, he cried out to God. God heard his cry, and he came running to him. Another sheep had been found. Another broken life had been changed, restored through the powerful love of the Savior. About 10 years ago in 2012, Charles Colson died. And what you may or may not know was that Charles was a Christian, a disciple of Jesus Christ, who for the rest of his life, after he was changed in prison, did amazing things because Jesus changed him. Once a broken man living his life his way and for himself, now became a man restored by the blood of Christ and lived for him. For that second part of his life, Charles was involved in prison ministry. Actually, Charles started the largest prison ministry known today as Prison Fellowship and Prison Fellowship International. And he did this because of the turmoil and lack of support he saw for himself and others while in the prison system. Charles would go on to author many books, win many awards, and receive much praise for his work. But what did Charles do with that? He directed it right back to where it came from. He directed it right back to God for what God had done for him. You see, it's like Charles was two different people. It's because he was. There was Charles Colson, gambler, lover of sin. And then Charles Colson, sinner, yes, but believer in Jesus Christ, forgiven saved, and redeemed. So here's the deal. We're the same. God is the God of the broken. That's me and that's you. You see, when we entered into this world, we were sinners. We were novice sinners, but we were sinners nonetheless. Then the older we get, guess what? the better we become at sinning. The the better we became at, at hiding our sins. We knew better, and yet what did we do? We still did it. 
we, we cling to ourselves. And we hope, even though we're, we know we're doing this, we cling to ourselves and we hope, hoping for the best. And, and we still do it day in and day out. You do something like this. You lie, you cheat, you gossip, you steal, you tear people down. And sometimes, you know what? You and I are the criminal on the cross railing against Jesus. If you are the Christ, save me. Save yourself. Isaiah said it this way, right? Ryan read this for us too. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his or her own way. Think about that. I'm going to say that again. I want you to think about this because it's so true. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his or her own way. Time after time after time, we each turn to our own way because we know better than God. (laughs) Or, or, Or we thought we knew better than God. We've all gone astray from our shepherd. And we tend to scatter because we want to pursue what? Our best interests or, or our agendas or, or, or what we think needs to be done. Each of us, though, friends, when we are judged by God's law, which we all are, are stray sheep. No matter what it is, big or small, we all gone away from the Lord. Now, again, you may not have fallen into political scandals like Charles Colson. But it doesn't have to be something that drastic that leads us away from God. Instead of following Christ, the good shepherd, we turn away. We go this way instead of that way because we know better. And we say, God, you could do this for me. You could, you could do it for me. Not because I want to change, but, but I know you could get me out of this situation now. God, I know you can do this for me, and, and I want you to do it because I deserve it. But that's just not the truth, is it? We're broken people. We're involved and we see broken relationships. We know of broken lives and our feelings over and over and over again are broken. But, right? But what Jesus did for that criminal on the cross, what what Jesus did for Charles Coulson, he's done for you. God came running to save you who are broken. God came running to save you who were lost in your sin. On that cross, from God, through Jesus Christ, right there, he was broken for you. Jesus Christ was broken through for you. And through his brokenness, you have been restored. You have been redeemed. You have been bought back through the water and the word, through the bread and the wine, through God's holy word. That Holy Spirit reclaims us and makes us his own. Broken down individuals put back together again. God said, I got you. I got you through my son, Jesus Christ, and he recycles us. 
He recycles us. It makes it possible for us to praise the Savior, even when the things we did, said, and have done or had done to us are so bad and so hurting because of the brokenness of this world. Friends, when the Spirit is inside you, that means the Spirit is setting you free. Enabling you to live this new life in this new way. A a, a life filled with light and hope. A life filled with forgiveness and salvation. A life of being restored daily, redeemed every moment and brought back and bought back by the love of your God, your Savior, Jesus Christ. Isaiah continued on in in that chapter, verse 53 excuse me, chapter 53 and and verse 7, he said, and the Lord has laid on him the sin of us all, the iniquity of us all. He was cut out of the land, stricken for the transgressions of my people. God loved you so much that he laid all your sin on that perfect, spotless lamb of God. What the Lord did for Charles, what the Lord did for those criminals on the cross is what the Lord has done for Scott Jensen. What the Lord has done for each of you. The Lord laid his son, Jesus, on the cross for the sin of us all. How many other religions have a God who gives up his life? None. Jesus, the sinless, unblemished, perfect Lamb of God, became one of us. He became like you and me, a sheep. God became one of us in order to be sacrificed for our salvation. There is no other religion that teaches this, friends. Whoever would have heard of a a God, a, a shepherd, humbling himself to become a sheep just to be sent to slaughter. Yet this is what Christ did for you. For each and every one of you, the good shepherd became the sacrificial lamb, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see, all those times that we have sinned, All those times that we have gone astray, all those times that we have felt the brokenness of the world, those have been washed clean. Those have been scrubbed spotless by Christ's death upon that tree, and you have been cleansed by his blood. You've been adorned with his love, and you've been made righteous in his eyes. And yes, so while we continue to wander around, while we continue to be like sheep going astray, as we continue to see the brokenness of the world, by the work of the Holy Spirit, we can know and we can grow in this truth that you have been redeemed. You've been returned to the shepherd by the power of the Spirit, the overseer of your souls. Your Lord and mine, Jesus Christ, has led you back into this fold of his salvation for eternity. For the mercy and love of God knows no limits. His love is never ending. 
almost done. I'll send you out with a couple things here. First, in the midst of all the brokenness, God encounters us. In the midst of all the sin, God encounters us. And when he meets us there, he gives his gifts of love, mercy, of grace. He gives his gifts of restoration, redemption, and salvation to you, to me, and to all who believe. Encountering the God of the broken changes people's lives here. It just does. Lives are no longer lived solely for oneself, but more importantly, for God and His amazing love. And here's the thing. Encountering the God of the broken not only changes people's lives here, but it changes their lives forever. Because someday you and I are going to die. We're going to take that final breath. And for those of us who have been changed by God, like the criminal on the cross or Charles Colson, through the blood of Jesus Christ, we can boldly say, like that criminal, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And we will confidently know that, you know what we're going to hear? That loving response. Hey, you, today, you will be with me in paradise. For now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.